Welcome to the Speed and Tune Sports Show. I'm your host, Al Bielsi. This week, my co-host, Shafe, is off. He's on business, out of town. I'm here to shoot the shit and talk some sports, but first, I have to tell you, we are brought to you by Adam Geese's Assassin Guild. All our kills come in the form of a stab in the back. Uh, make sure that if you enjoy these, you rate and review us uh, in whichever app you listen to. If you leave us a question in the iTunes review, we'll answer it on the show. Especially once we get a few of them. We had, uh, we've got a bunch of ratings, only a couple of formal reviews. So hopefully you guys keep going with that. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and you can also reach us on Twitter, obviously. We've talked about that before. We're at SpinTune Sports and at the SpinTune. Um, we will be doing some different things in the next few weeks here. As Schaefer's schedule is going to have him very busy. Um, so you might get me alone some weeks. You might get him on for just a segment some weeks. He might be able to do a whole episode. Uh, or I might have some guests in with me as well. But we wanted to make sure that we didn't leave you guys high and dry completely. So here I am. Hopefully that's okay with you. I know that I may piss some of you Rangers fans off because I'm an Island fan. But I promise to try to be respectful. Um, speaking of which, I am currently watching the Stanley Cup final game one Boston versus St. Louis so whether you're a Rangers fan which I know there are many of you here an Islanders fan hopefully that's followed us over here Devils fan we haven't got too much conversation with them other than the Kako Hughes debate but we'll have more on that later especially around the draft any of those fans of those teams I'm hoping that you guys will all be united along with me in rooting against the Boston Bruins because well that's something we can all be United on here in New York, no matter what team you root for. Boston doesn't need a third title in six months. We're all blues going forward. Um, and plus, I think they're just a pretty great story right now. They, the oldest team to have never won a Stanley Cup. They haven't been in the Cup Final for 49 years. The last time they were here, they played the Bruins. They played in three finals in a row, I think, in 1968, 69, and 70. Um, so uh, let's get some new blood in there. Anyway, we're going to do some quick hits on some of our teams here, um, and I'm going to do a little bit deeper dive in the Jets because they're the most interesting train wreck and all. Um, they're the most interesting story in town. Um, so let's kick it off with the Jets. The Jets put out their formal interview requests this week. Um, thus far, they've done four requests uh run through a little bit about those candidates just a quick hit it's a little tough to know anything about any of these guys unless they are formerly a gm like the, when the giants hired dave gettleman um you can have a track record to look at you know the decisions he was making as the guy in charge with all of these guys who were either like vps of player personnel assistant gms sometimes you hear about particular picks or players that were driven by one of those guys but they still aren't the one making the final call so you never really know it's even harder to kind of figure out who, who you would like over something like a, a head coach and even that is very hit or miss um so we uh, have four guys that we know for sure there's eagles vp of player personnel joe douglas um who we've all heard about he has the adam Gase connection he's been in that job with the eagles for three years he's considered a rising star he's considered a very good evaluator in league circles um, he cut his teeth under Ali Newsom in Baltimore for like 16 years, I think. Um, and it seems like he's been the favorite for a long time to get this job, really since before the draft when those first rumors came up about McCagnan being on the outs. Uh, I would say he's definitely got to be the odds-on favorite to get the job. 
Um, it sounds like the big sticking point for him probably will just be ensuring that he gets control of the roster, which it sounds like Chris Johnson's been unyielding on. He's not going to give that to Gase. We'll see if that's true or not. Um, I think it's a guy that Gase would work well with because they have a good relationship with each other. Apparently they've said that they want to work together. That's great. Um, hopefully that works out if that's the direction they choose to go. Another option. Vikings assistant GM George Patton, who's been there for 12 years. He's a very selective guy. He actually turned down an offer to interview with the Jets in 2015, the year that they hired Mike McCagnan. Um, again, very well respected. He's like he, There's other jobs that he's turned down the offer to. He's interviewed for some teams. Um, again, a respected talent evaluator. So uh, there is no case connection there, but it's possible that his resume, if he's as smart as everyone seems to make him out to be, that Gase would be respect his acumen and they could work together. I don't know. Uh, the next one is Bears assistant director of player personnel, Champ Kelly, uh, who's been there for two years in that job, I believe. There's another Gase connection. I believe he also overlapped at the same time um, in Denver with Joe Douglas and Gase. Uh, and then also when Gase was the offensive coordinator, in Chicago, uh, along with John Fox, after I think that Champ Kelly was in that front office still before he was elevated to this position. Um, from what I understand, there may be some awkwardness because Kelly and Douglas, like I said, overlapped. They have a lot of the same connections. That's part of the reason everyone loves the idea of this Douglas um, potential hire because he has a lot of connections. He would be building a very impressive staff. Um, supposedly, uh, and I think that Kelly would have a lot of those same guys if he would be the one to get the job. There's some people concerned that he may just be checking a box uh, as their minority candidate that has to be interviewed as part of Rooney Rule compliance, but from what I can tell and the stuff I've read in the last few days, he's, again, very much warranting an interview for this sort of job, so I don't think it's a... I don't think it should be treated... If the Jets are smart... They would turn over every stone, and they wouldn't treat this as a, um, a courtesy thing to get a minority candidate in. Um, and while they've always had white GMs, they've been pretty forward-thinking in hiring blackhead coaches. Um, so I would hope that they'd appreciate it. And Rod Graves was a assistant GM to John Edzik for a couple of years, um, and he was very well-respected around the league, too. He was the former GM of the Cardinals, I believe. So hopefully they'll be treating him as a serious candidate, even if Douglas is the guy that they want. Uh, and the final guy uh, is someone I know almost nothing about as well. Seahawks co-director of player personnel, Scott Fitterer. He's been, I actually haven't seen anywhere reported how long he's held that position. Uh, and I just did a cursory search, but he's been with Seattle since 2001. He's the co-director with uh, Trey Kirchner, who actually also interviewed for the Jets job in 2015 when they hired Mike McCagden. So it seems like they're going a slightly different route here. That front office under John Snyder has been very well regarded. They've obviously done more with less in a lot of years. You think about all the great guys that they've drafted in fourth and fifth round, you know, Richard Sherman, um, you know, Bobby Wagner, like all these linebackers, cornerbacks like Shaq Barrett was, I think, um, not Shaq Barrett, Shaq Griffin was uh, also like a fourth or fifth round pick, the, the cornerback, not his brother, the linebacker. Um, they seem to struggle with first-round picks. Uh, I hated their pick this year, LJ Collier. I hated their pick last year even more, Rashad Penny, um, Jermaine Nefetti. I really haven't liked what they've done at the top of the draft the last few years, um, but they always seem to unearth very talented players further down. 
Um, and that's something that very much Mike McKagan was not able to do. It's one of the main reasons that he's not here any longer. So that seems to be our, our formal slate of guys that are going to be interviewed in the next week or two. Um, I don't know if that'll be the, the whole list. Uh, it's possible that if they can't get Douglas, if they can't get Patton, if these guys don't impress them enough, they could go to maybe a second wave of candidates after that. Um, but ideally, you would create a short list of guys who you're really excited to get, who are really excited for the opportunity to get this job, um, and one of them impresses you, and there's a, a good fit, and you just get this done within the next week or so. It's not a big deal to not get it done in the next week or so, because admittedly the offseason is pretty slow now, but you want to get your staff together. You want to get them rolling on the same page. There might be one or two hidden gems who can become a contributor on this roster that you can sign a free agency, even though, you know, that menu of players is pretty thin now. Um, but the biggest thing is they bungle so many things, the Jets, that it'd be nice to see something go smoothly for once. It'd be nice to get a guy who's motivated to be in here a guy who's excited to work with Adam Gase, a guy who's excited to build a roster around Sam Darnold. Because if you have to go to your third or fourth or fifth option in this job search, you're getting into the sort of territory where you're picking from the bottom of the barrel. You're getting a guy who's unqualified for the job, like a Mike McCagnon. Um, and, or <laughs> worst case, if you, you know, if you get so desperate that you're going to throw a hundred million dollars at someone like Peyton Manning to come run your job, it's going to become like the, Magic Johnson, Phil John Jackson hires. You don't want a guy who's not motivated to be doing the job. You want someone who wants to be here, who wants to give their all to try and build this team because the Jets deserve better. Well, Jets fans deserve better. Unfortunately, the team hasn't proved that they deserve any better than that. Um, so we'll keep we'll keep posted on that. Hopefully by next week we'll be able to talk about the beginnings of a staff being put together. Um, to run the Jets going forward, um, but I won't hold my breath that they'll have it done because, you know, when have they ever proven that they were abundantly competent at any of this stuff? Um, in the meantime, let's move on to a brief note on some Islanders talk. All right, well, even though there's only two teams currently playing hockey and neither of them is the New York Islanders, they made news this past week with the re-signing of... Brock Nelson to a six-year, $36 million deal. Um, that's $6 million per year. Um, if you remember a few weeks ago, we discussed that on the show, uh, what a potential Nelson contract would look like. Uh, I believe Schaefer estimated it being like the five $5 million range is what he would do. Uh, I said I thought that he was going to end up getting to the market because he's always been a tough negotiator uh, through his entry level in his second contract. Um, he's kind of gone down to the wire on those with the Islanders. Um, so I thought he was going to get to the market and make more something like $7 million a year. Uh, he kind of came in between our two estimates. Um, he's got a two-year full no-trade clause, and then after that it goes to a modified no-trade clause. I think it's a 10-team no-trade clause. Um, but that seems like a pretty fair deal for both sides. Um, I was surprised it seems that he was very motivated to stay on the island because he didn't wait all the way, he could have gone to free agency or at least to the uh, listening period to see what else was out there. I think he could have gotten more out there because the center depth in the free agent market is going to be very light. Um, and he was going to be the second or third best center available in free agency uh, behind Matt Duchesne. And it depends on how you rate him versus Kevin Hayes. Um, but the point is, he, he's only 27 years old and he's coming up on free agency and off a 50-point season 
or plus 50 point season. Um, he was highly drafted. He's been well regarded as a player. He took a step forward. He was the only guy who had a substantial step forward in the amount of points he scored under Barry Trotz, uh, who employed a very defensively heavy system this year in his first year with the Islanders. So this slots him in automatically as either the number one or two center. They, the way they deployed him and Matt Barzell kind of depended on the time of year who was technically the first or second center. It doesn't really matter. Both those guys are the two top six uh, centers. So uh, this gives them some stability down the, the middle. They don't have to worry about panicking and throwing a ton of money at someone who doesn't worth it in free agency if he were to get away. Um, I think six is probably half a million more than I'd like to give him, but it was half a million or a million less than I thought he might get. Uh, so I'm good with it. Uh, Nelson is a guy who Islanders fans have always been a little frustrated by because they always thought he could do more, and he's now finally did more. Um, but you love when a guy is motivated to stick around. He um, said that it was important to stay on the island, him and his wife and his kids. They have young kids wanted to stay around here. Um, so you love a guy wanting to be here, and you love to reward a guy who's worked hard and played hard and has developed his game over the course of his career so far. He's went from being a inconsistent player who was benched some to a guy who would score the quietest 20 goals you've ever seen to this year being an impact player, uh, taking heavy minutes, doing well in faceoffs, over 50 points, scored and assisted wherever he needed to taking the play that was available to him, um, making the guys around him better and playing responsibly defensively. Um, so he was a, a well-rounded player um, that they locked up long-term. And I think that's a good move for them and for him. And so that sounds like a plus to me. That being said, um, where the Islanders go next, they still need to get deals done with Anders Lee, with Robin Leonard. They have to decide whether they're going to pursue main, uh, holding on to Jordan Everly. I, I don't believe it's very likely that he comes back. I think Everly is definitely going to go to market. Um... Could he come back if the offers aren't out there for him? Sure. Um, I think for his part, the two years he spent here, it seems like he really enjoyed his time here. So I think he'd be happy to come back. And I think the Islanders would be happy enough to have him back. But at their price, I don't think they're going to want to give him a big raise. Um, he got a big contract early in his career. He's getting paid $6 million a year already. Um, he's going to want a raise, and I can understand why. I don't think he'll find a raise elsewhere. Um but I could see him coming back on a similar deal to what he was getting, if that's what the Islanders want to do. Now, maybe they wouldn't want to pay him that much. Um, but if the offers out there aren't as attractive as he thinks, um, they should be. And if the Islanders offer him a contract, say, hey, we need you to take a little haircut. We'll offer you $5.5 million, say, you know, across four or five years or whatever the term that they think is justifiable. Uh, could he take slightly less to stay here if he doesn't like what's out there? Sure, I think so. Um, mostly just because I don't think any team's going to come in and blow his, blow him away with a big contract, you know, $7 million a year, you know, six or seven years. Um, but if someone did, I could totally see him bolting for that. Um, and I wouldn't blame him one bit. Uh, I just don't... I really have no idea what the market for him will be, especially when you have a guy like Panarin out there who's the big fish. You have a guy like Jeff Skinner who's every bit as good as Everly, or if not better. Um... And there's other guys who might be available in trade as well. Phil Kessel's been long rumored. It just was announced today or yesterday that um, he was supposed to have a deal to 
go to Minnesota for Jason Zucker, and that deal fell through. Uh, we don't know how motivated Minnesota is to try and um, keep going with that trade. I, it sounds like Kessel's unimpressed with their situation there, uh, with them trading so many of their prominent guys in the last few years. Um, it sounds like he refused to waive his no-trades clause for that deal, so he may be headed elsewhere. But if a guy like Zucker's on the move, if a guy like Kessel's on the move, we'll see who else is possibly available in trade. Um, the winger's market may be a little bit more robust than the center's market is, um, so that could drive prices down on someone like Everly. Um, as far as Lee goes, I still ultimately think he's he's back as an Islander. It sounds like really the sticking point isn't uh, the, the AAV, but the, the term of the contract, which I can totally understand. A guy like him, big power forward, 29 years old already. You don't want to lock a guy like that into a contract for seven years. Those guys tend to not age that well, although he doesn't have a ton of mileage. He kind of broke in a little late. Um, but still, you can look at a guy on the same exact roster who was, I think, a little older when he signed the deal. But uh, Andrew Ladd fell off the cliff real quick. Um, and to have two albatrosses like that on the same contract where Ladd, who knows if he ever actually plays again, um, and Lee, uh, who's beloved, uh, he definitely has more goodwill built up with the organization and the fans, um, and he's the captain, so they would treat him, I think, better if that were to be the case, but you don't want to get yourself locked into that, um, especially when, as we referred to a couple weeks ago, there's some other bad contracts uh, on the roster right now. Um, but ultimately, I think they get a deal done. Um, I think both sides are motivated to get the deal done. Um, and I still think they're going to retain Leonard, um, but I'm less certain about it. I, as we alluded to, there's much more that goes into that situation than just hey, we want you back, or him saying, hey, I want to be back. He does have to take care of himself um, mentally and emotionally. Uh, he has to take care of himself financially. Uh, I just don't know what the market would be for him. I think on a one- or two-year deal, a lot of teams would be really interested in bringing him in. Um, but I think a lot of teams would be justifiably wary of committing long-term to him. I think the Islanders would be the team that's most likely to commit to him long-term. I have no idea what the market for him will be uh, with that sort of baggage. Um as much as it seems like he's turned it around, and kudos to him, it's a great story. Uh, and I hope, absolutely hope, that he's really turned to the corner and has got himself taken care of and he's healthy. Um, because he's a great player. Uh, and he seems like a good dude uh, who had some rough things earlier in his life. And um, it's great to see that sort of guy rise above that, and hopefully he keeps on that track. Um, and then after that, we'll see what happens. Uh it's been long rumored that Lamorello might want to take a shot at some of these restricted free agents in Toronto to get back at them. Um, but even more importantly, get back at them. They have really talented young guys like uh, Kapanen and, and Mitch Marner. Um, so that's a, it would be a great avenue for them to pursue, even if it ultimately ends with those guys resigning with Toronto on whatever the offer that we give them, um, potentially, right? Uh, and there's other guys who are available too. So we could see if that might finally come back for the first time. It's been... Really, it's a, rumored every year. We all get excited. Fans, media get excited for the possibility of this, and not enough teams take advantage of it. Um, but Lou Lamorello has never been afraid to rock the boat. So I hope that he does take a swing at that sort of thing. Um, I hope that he's going all in on a run for a guy like Artemi Panarin. Um, make him say no. Um, we always oh, no one's going to want to come here, and this and that. And it's a self-defeating attitude. Um, it's bullshit. Take care of business, 
go make someone say no. If you can't sell him on, hey, this team is on the upswing. We got Lou Lamarillo. We've got Mar- uh, Barry Trotz. Then he should go elsewhere. Then he sh- if if you can't sell him on that deal, then you, that's not the type of guy you want anyway. Especially when you're going to commit, who knows, 10, 11, 12 million a year to a guy like that. Um, but uh, it, it's exciting. Um, we'll have more talk on the Islanders and the Rangers and the Devils in the coming weeks as uh, once the Cup's done and we see the way the draft and free agency starts to shake out. All right, let's talk about the Mets real quick. Um, last week, we talked about the Cespedes injury a bunch. Um, but a funny thing happened after that day where they were coming off the three-game sweep to the Marlins of all teams. Um, they find out about the Cespedes broken ankle on a non-horse. Uh, we get a vote of confidence from Mickey Callaway, which we asked what that actually means. Uh, and then they go on a big win streak, um, which is impressive, honestly. Um, and maybe that's what they needed. Maybe they needed to kind of hit rock bottom. Maybe they needed that kick in the ass of, hey, no, no, we like Mickey. Mickey's a good dude. He's a good manager. Um, we need to look in the mirror. As much as Mickey's struggled at times, he's been fine. And there's, at this stage in the game, there's only so much that a manager really can fuck up on a game-to-game basis anyway. Because he's going off a playbook that him and the front office are coming up with before the game starts anyway. So as long as he sticks to the numbers, you have all the jokes about the binders and Joey Loose Leafs and all that stuff, all the laughter at Girardi's expense. But that's just the way that baseball's going now, right or wrong. Um, and I think it's more right than wrong. Um, and you don't have to like it. You just got to understand it, and that's fine. I don't love it. I think I was mentioning this last week. I think they're a little bit of a sleeve to some of these things. But... As time goes by, they're going to refine their process and they're going to get better at not just coming up with the numbers that guide what they should do, but when can we diverge from them? Is a range of outcomes give us some leeway to tweak what we're doing? Can we alter our plan in the moment? Do we go all in on something that's 51% true? You know, I can totally understand. No, no, we think that 80% of the time this thing is going to be the way that we go. I understand that you want to stick to that sort of thing. Um, but with some reinforcements back on the way, Conforto was just reactivated, um, and I think in a corresponding move, they, they DFA Rajay, Rajay Davis, um, hopefully they paid for his Uber ride back. Um, let's see what the Mets can do. Can they go on a run here? They've been on one. If they could win legitimately, you know, in the next week or two, they can keep winning at a good clip. They can fully stay in this race, um, because... No one's really separating themselves. Um, the Nationals have not been impressive. The Braves have been good, but quietly so. The Marlins are the Marlins. Next time you come around, fucking sweep them back. It's okay. Um, They've got a big showcase coming up soon, I think, against the Yankees. Um, that'll be an important test for them, because you know they're going to get up for those games. Um, but the big thing is, it looked like this team was dead in the water, and then they were off a whole bunch of wins... Um, and even though it's maybe not been the way that you would draw it up in the playbook, but there's no reason that this team can't be good. I know that I said that I didn't think they were going to make the playoffs. I think Shafe thought they were going to make the playoffs. But if you told me they snuck in as a wild card, if you told me that they go down to the wire and they win this division, I wouldn't be completely shocked by it, even if it's not the thing that I'm picking to happen. Um, but I don't think this team shouldn't be horrendous is the thing. And they have been at times this year. Um... But there's no reason for that to be. They don't have to be locked into that sort of thing. They just need to learn how to take a punch and weather the storm. 
you look across town at the Yankees, they're, well, they have 15 guys on the IL now, and they just next man up and they keep going with it. And that's been the issue. When everyone's healthy and everything's going right, the Mets can be really good if you look in the last few years. Right? They went to, not that long ago, they were in the World Series. But they can't, what they can't allow is one guy, one important guy to get hurt and then everything falls to pieces. They're, they've been too fragile in that way. Weather the storm. Say, yeah, okay, it sucks that guy's down. You know what? We'll hold the fort until he comes back. And maybe you don't thrive the way the Yankees have because I sure as shit didn't think they would thrive that way. But if you survive and then keep moving on, keep plugging away at it, everything will fall together. And you kind of, you build that camaraderie. You get, everyone gets comfortable in their roles, right? Where if you have to expand your role a little bit, it's not too much that you don't collapse under the weight. Uh, so let's see what the, the Mets can do up the next few weeks. It should be exciting. And they've been playing a little bit exciting baseball. And not necessarily good baseball. But you know what? If it keeps coming up with them winning, who the hell cares? Get yourself right. Get yourself into the playoffs. And then anything can happen. All right. The last thing that I really want to talk about formally on this episode is the Yankees. Um, they are, as I was just alluded to, alluding to right before this with the Mets thing, they are thriving against all odds. With so many injuries, guys getting hurt, coming back, getting re-injured, one guy coming back, and then the next day someone else got hurt. Um, they've weathered injuries, and it doesn't matter where, infield, outfield, starting pitching, relief pitching. They've been hit at all levels, important guys, guys that you didn't think you'd have to count on. They put someone, I think his name was Jake Barrett, they put on the IL yesterday. I had never heard of the guy before. I didn't even realize he was a Yankee. Um, but still... That's important, and that when they're testing your depth, when your depth is getting hurt as well. Um, but it looks like they may have some reinforcements, and they can start integrating them back in. Uh, Chad Green, after struggling so badly earlier this year, come back, done really solid, bounced back, good out of the bullpen, and then they've been using him as an opener, and it's worked to near perfection. I know the first time they did... They probably left him in too long. He kind of blew up at the end of the... Was it, he went an inning in two-thirds. But then over this weekend, he went on opened on Saturday and Monday. Both clean innings. Yankees end up winning both of those games. Um, and that's important. Uh, and hopefully they won't have to do it that much longer. They can still take... They can still run Herman and Tanaka and Hap through the, uh, the rotation. Paxton should be back on Wednesday, I believe. And then Sabathia should be back on Sunday after that. Uh, if both of those guys can come back and be healthy, keep their stints on the IL to the bare minimum, um, you take the burden off having to use that opener or having to use the uh, the bullpen too much. They've managed it uh, very well, surprisingly well, considering the turmoil they're in right now. But they won seven games in a row. They've won eight of their last nine. That is a great stretch. And I understand they're not playing the greatest teams, right? The Royals aren't very good. The Padres are okay. Um, but... And the Orioles are obviously bad. Just bad. Um, but you know what? you got to take care of business. It doesn't matter who they put in front of you. Get healthy now. And then this way you know when you're facing tougher teams later, you've banked enough wins against the bad teams. Because if you let the, the Orioles come in here and mess around like they did last year, um, that's how you put yourself behind the eight ball. No, beat the guys you're supposed to beat. And then you figure it out against the good teams. If you have a bad series against the Red Sox, it doesn't completely crush you. If you if you struggle against the Astros, you can go get them next time around in the playoffs. You know, they only have a limited amount of games of them per year. Um, but get full, you know, 
get a bunch of wins stacked real quick against the Orioles and against the Royals, and you're sitting pretty. Um, and they win today. They've also, just like the Mets, won some funky ones, some games late. They're still doing the same thing with these different contributors. Frazier, finally, after getting healthy, struggling right off the I.L., uh, is hot again. Sanchez maintained his hot streak even after the potentially inadvisable day off against the Royals at the end of the... Or not the Royals, the Orioles at the end of that series. Um, just keep stacking wins, man. Um, and they're doing it. And they're gelling together. The team looks good. Even, the, the, you know, the, the important contributors are different every night, but you're still getting... Torres is playing well. Sanchez is playing well. And you need that guy to play well after playing like such shit last year. He's playing adequately behind the plate. He's hitting really well. That's what you need. Um, you know, he can... If he's going to give you the power and he's going to be clutch and he's going to drive in a ton of runs, you can live with him hitting 240. It's a hell of a lot better than the 190 he was hitting last year, um, which was ridiculous. No professional hitter should ever hit that low. I don't care where the game is going. Um, and you still get contr contributions from, of all people, Gio or Shella. And you get contributions from your Clint Frazier's who are getting hot and maybe he's moving himself back off the list of potential trade ship to no this is the future brett garner's probably his last year he you know he struggles he goes on runs where he's really hot and then he's really not if clint F frazier can be your left fielder going forward that's another cheap guy you can spend more money on pitching elsewhere if you have an outfield of judge and hicks and frazier and stanton's playing some and he's your dh um and you can bring up some other young guy to play, then you can use you can throw dollars at relievers the way that they always do. The Yankees always will and should have one of the best bullpens in the league. That means you restock and reload the new reliever every year. You know, one year it's an Andrew Miller, another year it's it's Araldis Chapman, it's a Zach Britton, it's a uh, David Robertson. You always got to leave yourself the fin the financial flexibility to do that um, if you want to chase a starting pitcher next year. I'm not sure who's I haven't looked at free agency yet for this year. Uh, I know Jarrett Cole is coming up. Um, if you want to chase Jarrett Cole to be your big acquisition as a starting pitcher, you have to have a guy like Frazier balancing it out if you want to keep staying under the luxury tax. And that's fine. Because if he's coming in and playing well, it doesn't matter that you're not chasing the big money guy. <laughs> Give yourself plenty of opportunities for your fans to get a little spicy at the guys who maybe they wanted who were the big ticket free agent as they're booing Manny Machado game one against this, of the series against San Diego. It's great because it's not really on him. The Yankees didn't offer him much. The Padres offered him a lot more. I totally understand why he made that choice. Um, and so far, it looks like it's not biting the Yankees in the ass. Um, but then again, who expected to get Gio Urshela being a folk hero? Who expected Tyro Estrada, who got shot a year ago, to be giving real contributions? He was a guy that seemed to be touted within the organization as a prospect but there wasn't a lot of outside hype where you saw a lot of external evaluators who loved Gleyber Torres coming up you know what I mean so if you can have contributors like a Clint Frazier, a Tyra Estrada a Gio Urshela that you didn't expect Luke Voigt proving that he's not just a fluke um, that's huge because those guys are all cost effective and they're motivated to be great to play above that level that you expect from those sorts of guys and that's the type of mix that you saw from those late 90s early 2000s teams where you got the big studs and you got the young guys coming up trying to 
make their way in the league and prove themselves. Um, and that's what the Yankees are doing right now. Uh, it's They're starting to feel special, even though there's a lot of guys whose names you don't recognize. This is cool. This is a fun team where it's like you start out with these outsides expectations and you see all those injuries. And like you said with the Mets in the last few years, you see all those injuries. It's totally understandable how, oh, no, no, it's okay. They're losing. You give them a pass. No, fuck that. Go out there, next man up, and do your job. And these guys are doing their job, and they're succeeding, and that just breeds more success. Uh, so it's cool. It's exciting. They're fun to watch. They're fun to watch. Um, and that hasn't always been true, even when they've been really good in the last few years. Um, fun and good is better than fun or good. You don't need me to tell you that. But it's nice to be reminded of that once in a while. Like We should be really enjoying this for what it is. Um, so we'll see. Uh, they still have some more games on the, the schedule coming up. They have a big series against Boston coming up real soon. So we'll see. After making ourselves whole with some of the guys coming off injury, after winning all the games that you're supposed to win, big series against the Red Sox, everyone's going to get up for that. It's going to be a good time. And then you got the Mets coming in shortly after that. Um, and I think they have some other big series. And maybe against the Astros coming up soon. Um, I haven't checked the, the, too much of the schedule coming up. But um, it's cool. It's fun. Um so I think that's going to be it for this week's episode of the Spin Tune Sports Show. You can reach us on Twitter at Spin Tune Sports. That's S-P-I-N-C-H-O-O-N Sports. And at The Spin Tune. You can find me and Shafe as well at Alessandro B 1187 and at Shafe Spur. Make sure you rate and review us. You can tweet us. A lot of people have been. We're having a good time with the folks on Twitter. Um, we're going to have some more articles coming out this week. We're going to have some more entertainment-driven articles um, on the site, movies, video games, TV, might have a Game of Thrones wrap up for uh, from Gary, who hasn't written anything for us in a few weeks, but uh, he's always raring to go. Uh, I'm going to do my Isles piece soon on my similar to what Shafe did for his ideal scenario, maybe the more realistic scenario for the Rangers. I'm going to do mine for the Islanders coming up. Um, so we hope you guys have been enjoying this. We're having fun. And when we're having fun, I think that means that you guys will have more fun listening to us and reading us. So uh, we'll see you next week.